0: Hi, I'm Alice Zhao.
1: I'm Curtis Herbert. And I'm Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly.
0: And this is Independence, a show where the three of us talk about our efforts to make a living from the web and mobile. And for me, I'm just desperately trying to stay indie.
1: (laughs) You can do it. You can do it. I can just just imagine you, like, grasping at the edge of the cliff. Please, please. I want to stay. Let me stay indie.
0: (laughs) Please. Just a quick note before we jump into today's topic. Independence, that podcast, is going to turn two. Aren't we cute? <laughs> <laughs> a baby turning two. And instead of a cake, we're going to have an Ask Us Anything episode. Like we did last year. Yeah. yeah. So if you've got a bunch of burning questions that you think that we're somehow uniquely qualified to answer, please send it on over to us by the end of the week. So several podcasts ago, I said something incredibly flippant when I, th- I believe it was Curtis brought up ex- accessibility. I said something to the effect that, oh, I'm not really considering it because my font is large and the entire app is about tapping on items and hearing vocabulary words. And to be honest, my own statement <laughs> has bothered me for quite some time. So this is my attempt to rectify poor behavior and be open to learning a little bit more about it. <laughs>
1: I feel like that's just like standard podcasting stuff. Like yeah. you know, we, we make statements on a podcast and then we, re- we live to regret them. Yeah, because they're I actually mean, <laughs> recorded.
0: <laughs> that's my entire life. It's not just podcasting. It's all the time. But I'll be the first to admit that I don't really take, stay on top of Apple News. You guys are definitely the people who are on top of it and you never miss a thing. That's how, it, that's how I feel but I tend I feel like I just live in my tiny little world and I just get through it so which is probably why I said something like I did before and without really thinking it through but then this week I started thinking about it a lot and I thought about my own family members and their own struggles with technology I mean some of it's because they're old (laughs) and that's expected so for example my my dad has gout and it has like really expanded his like his joints they're all kind of haywire right now and so it's really hard for him to tap on anything let alone a phone we get him the largest one possible but that's difficult too and so I was just thinking about that and and I felt like because I made that type of statement I felt like I was ignoring the people I love the most by saying something like that
2: yeah well I mean you're not alone in that like I for quite some time I was I don't want to say dismissive of accessibility but I didn't prioritize it um, as much as I probably should and it was my own family members too that kind of got me thinking like hey maybe this isn't just some weird edge Case Like if you've ever noticed, uh, dear listener, some people you'll walk around and you're like, you know, everything on their screen looks a little bit bigger. Like their eye messages, like those bubbles look bigger and the text looks bigger. I was noticing a couple family members of mine do that. And that was kind of the first time that I realized like, hey, you know, some of this stuff that I always think of as just an accessibility thing, like for these edge cases, like for people who can't see or can't hear or whatever. They're not just about that, that a lot of average people use it too. And I think that was kind of what started to flip my brain from where you were, Alice, mm. of like, oh, wow, well, you know, it's skiing. I don't have to worry about blind users. They would hit a tree. <laughs> Fun fact, there are blind skiers out there. But it, it, it got me from thinking like that to like, no, a lot of these changes I can make actually will help a lot of people, a lot of my users, uh, not just those with the extreme cases of accessibility issues.
1: And the thing is, is that I don't think you're alone if you've been a avoiding that stuff like well that's half the tech industry
2: outside of (laughs) apple
1: (laughs) like that's a fairly common thing i think like as a person who is admittedly i don 't have a lot of accessibility uh, requirements, in fact, my dynamic type is actually set to smaller font size than the default. <laughs> it can be a thing that I sort of i assume that everything is fine and it doesn 't even yeah. come into my brain like it doesn 't even like cross my mind that this could be a this could be an issue and in fact, like gif just recently, I realized that in the version that i 'm working on. I had like entirely disabled any of the functionality in GifRap if you had voiceover turned on. Like you just couldn't use anything, <laughs> and it had slipped my mind for like so long because I just hadn't thought to like just hadn't thought about it. I just it just didn't, wasn't a thing that I had even like considered, and I think that covers like yeah a good like ninety to ninety five percent of if not more of the tech industry. We just don't think about these things because right now we don't need them, and we're only doing a disservice to the people in our lives that do.
0: Yeah, I think it's easy to just focus on your ideal user, which is you know us, and so it's it's hard to automatically think, oh. Someone could have trouble using this app. You're like, because they all look like me.
2: Yeah, well, you don't live that life, so it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, which is not a good mentality right. to have at all.
1: No.
0: But
2: it's certainly one that I can sympathize of why people might act that way, and I think why the tech industry in general does.
0: And which is why it's really admirable that Apple puts this, you know, accessibility in its core mission. So what what else uh, inspires you to consider accessibility when creating slopes and gift wrapped? Well,
1: as the creator of an image-based app, <laughs> my thinking around accessibility has varied because images are inherently bad as far as people with limited vision or with no vision. But there are things that can be done in that area that have sort of seen leaps and bounds in a few areas uh, of late in the tech industry, like Twitter now has alternate text and stuff like that. And obviously that's been a thing on the web for years, but like improving that stuff in my app, even though it's it's not necessarily a thing that would be the first thing that you would jump to, like, yes, I should make my image app accessible to people with, uh, with vision impairment. Um, that is definitely something that I've tried to uh, tried to accommodate, and um, and going so far as to making sure that, uh, as I mentioned before, that voiceover works with it. The existing on the App Store version works pretty well, and I've had compliments about it, so that's pretty good. And I've definitely seen people talking about it as if like uh, you know that that have uh, that would normally have issues uh, with with apps of its kind. Uh, but it's definitely something that has sort of inspired me to continue that that journey and to try and make sure that like things are staying accessible. My my recent experience of turning on VoiceOver for the for the new version and seeing how that uh, how that went uh, was entirely inspired by the fact that I was like, well, actually, I should do that because the current app is pretty good and I need to make sure like that's another thing on my checklist. You know, I, I just, and I, I want to, I want to make the most accessible app that I possibly can, if, if I can. So, I
2: mean, one of the obvious answers, Apple, because they do a great job with all making all their default apps very accessible, and they really do hit it home in WWDC videos and everything that Mm -hmm. this is a big deal for them and their platform and they greatly believe in that. However, that inspiration alone wasn't enough to get me to actually do this stuff. I I think what kind of got me kicking besides just seeing some family members doing it, I think that planted the seed. But then there was a series of tweets going around uh, back in February of 2019, I think it was, where some people with some popular SDKs or popular apps started talking about Uh, Specifically, one of the technologies Apple has, Dynamic Type, which lets uh, users dynamically adjust font sizes and maybe even image sizes uh, to respond to their vision needs. And people were circulating numbers like, oh, well, only 70% of my users are on the standard setting. 30% of my users are using something not that. And I think I was seeing everywhere from like 75% to 60% using the standard amount. So it could be a lot of people basically expressing the desire through a setting for apps to adjust to this kind of stuff. And seeing that large number for dynamic types specifically got me really thinking like, hey, this is a big part of the market. Like I'm potentially ignoring 30% of my users. What feature am I going to launch that's going to make 30% of my users super happy right away? Mm. So I think that's what really got me thinking more about accessibility was really realizing how broad of a scope some of the changes that I could make would have and how many people it could impact. And it wasn't just the one in a 1,000 or one in 2,000 that I think sometimes we just write it off as.
0: So you two sound really inspired to tackle accessibility. Have you been able to do anything with Slopes and GifWrapped or other apps?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I still have a lot of boxes to check by far. Um, But I kind of took my first bite of accessibility uh, and that was on that dynamic type project. And that's really all I've done so far. I kind of am, I think, like a lot of developers, relying on the fact that we get a lot of voiceover stuff for free as long as we're using standard controls. Um, I'm aware of one or two places I've made custom controls, and those probably don't do so well. So there's stuff like that. There's stuff like localization that I haven't really tackled yet. So there's a lot I'm still negligent on. But so far, really, it's just been hitting the dynamic type. Because that was the one with the stat that jumped out at me that I knew like, hey, I could do this. It's probably not going to be too bad. It's not a ton of maintenance work going forward. It doesn't introduce a lot of drag during testing. And it's something that I, as somebody with vision, can easily test. And I can kind of see like, oh, okay, how is this going to work for that person? And it can make sense if it's working or not versus some of the other types of accessibility that people might work on where you know it's for voiceover for example it can be hard for me to know if i'm doing a good job or not so Mm -hmm. it was kind of the low-hanging fruit for me so that's
1: really all i've done so far i recently as i as i mentioned had a sort of a delve into voiceover and like as you said curtis voiceover is with the default controls and stuff that you get in in apple's stuff you get pretty good voiceover and and like sort of screen reading um, stuff for free without having to do anything it's just there like you just get it and moving into something that is a bit more custom in fact a lot more custom it sort of required me to go down the rabbit hole of a voiceover and I'm here to tell you that it's a lot deeper a lot wider just larger in general than what you might expect there's so much that you can do even with existing controls to improve stuff in your app voiceover stuff can allow you to like position things on screen in different ways, or obviously you can add like text to elements, but you can also add descriptions and change the, whether or not something is selectable. And if something is not quite on screen and you don't want it to be there, then you sort of can, uh, you can, or it's covered, but it's still kind of in behind something. You can sort of block that off there is so, so much to it and you could spend a long time con- on just voiceover stuff. And it's something that I feel like I need to loop back to myself because I got a thing working where I was like, yeah, okay, technically somebody who was using voiceover can now access stuff. <laughs> it's not great, Good first but step. it's technically possible, <laughs> but it's not like it, I, there, there is so much more that I can do and that I, that I intend to do with, with, um, improving that improving that stuff because it is useful in other ways as an example if you do any sort of ui automation which is something that i do uh to create my screenshots if you do ui automation you can use some of the accessibility stuff that you would normally get as part of like setting up accessibility on your app to improve using that UI automation frameworks so you can target specific elements or target specific buttons and like, and then interact with them in, correct, in the correct ways. Enhancing your accessibility makes that easier and better for you. So it, you can, by improving accessibility, make things better for you. And I had done some of that previously to try and make that stuff easier for myself. But there's so much more that I can that I feel like I can do in, in that space.
2: Yeah, doing dynamic type, I definitely learned a lot. Like one thing I learned was that it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. There was a lot of nuance I had to learn with getting my custom table view cells to look like Apple's default table view cells and a couple of cases like that. But my experience was really positive. I mean, kind of like you're talking about Jellyware, if you do voiceover enhancements, all of a sudden your UI testing can become a little bit easier. Apple's really built in a lot of accessibility tools for testing and for setting all this up. And specifically with dynamic type, it's gotten really good over the past couple of years. When it first launched, it kind of worked. Uh, yeah, there was a lot to be desired. But it's gotten a lot better over time. It's come a long way since iOS 7. It's something I didn't really struggle too much with. And I think that's part of what surprised me the most was, you know, being an indie and having an app as large as Slopes. It only took me a week and a half, I think it was, two weeks maybe, to get dynamic type 100% throughout my app. And not even just like, oh, this sort of kind of works. Like, I'm the kind of guy who obsesses over niche picky details a lot of the times and I went crazy on making sure every screen supported the low font sizes or even the accessibility extra 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 large where you can fit about three words on the screen at a time (laughs) I made sure that my screens adapted as best as I could figure out for all those different cases yeah and I was really impressed at the suite of tools that Apple had given me to make testing this stuff really not that much of a pain in the butt call out to the accessibility inspector inside of Xcode and the simulator, uh, because that was just, I've just seen there dragging a slider back and forth and uh, it was resizing stuff on the fly and making sure things look good. And that dramatically sped up. Uh, and I imagine jelly that accessibility inspector probably helped you a lot during testing.
1: Did it? I didn't know I existed. Oh, my God. <laughs> now
2: you do. Uh, well, you learned something now on I this do. podcast.
1: <laughs> Learning something new every day.
2: Yeah, it, it's under the other developer tools option. I think under file or something like that. Real time follow up. Uh, it's under the Xcode menu under open developer tool, uh, accessibility inspector. There's a lot
1: of cool stuff in there.
2: There it is. Yeah.
1: I can't say that I've used this.
2: Yeah. You can do some things like I, if I recall correctly, not having done a lot of voiceover stuff yet, but you can like highlight things that are missing accessibility descriptions or labels and stuff like that. Like it, it can really help you find some of your weak points pretty quickly, which is nice. So yeah, I mean, that's part of what I learned. At least dynamic type wasn't as bad as I thought. And I think that might be a key takeaway is some of this stuff certainly seems intimidating and I think some more so than others, like localization, that is an accessibility uh, that's helping other people in the world use your app that don't speak English. Uh, but that it certainly introduces a lot of drag, having to get translations and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. in place for every major release. Uh, but there is a lot of accessibility you can do on your own that is not nearly as intensive. And that's great. And it's worth at least looking at what you're going to have to do to get that stuff in place and not just relying on the fear or holding you back.
1: Yeah, and the thing is that Apple have for all the all of the 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 accessibility stuff, not necessarily like localization cuz they don't class it as accessibility, but yep. They have a page that goes into all of the details and they have uh documentation that goes into all of the things that you can do with it and it's all grouped together and it's very easy to find. In fact, we'll throw a link in the show notes cuz why not? But there is so much stuff that you can do there's so much stuff that you can you can play with the thing is is that like some of it some of the stuff that you that you can do you probably have had in your app at some point anyway like if you've ever used any controls that are like that uh, Apple provided like they have voiceover stuff built onto them there's a lot. There's a lot that you can kind of go into.
2: But fun fact, uh, they're not all dynamic type friendly. Like us, UI buttons don't like multi-line wrapping sometimes and segmented controls don't mm. even get me started on those. So it, it can be a minefield sometimes. But it, it I, I guess another thing I learned was kind of on that dovetail thing I was talking about where like if you do the voiceover, it helps with testing. Uh, my line of thought for getting dynamic type as one of the first things I checked off accessibility wise is... Since I use auto layout, yes, I'm one of those weird freaks who loves auto layout and storyboards, but since I use auto layout everywhere, getting support for dynamic type in is going to help me when it's time for me to localize, I still need to go through that whole process, but now my UI is much more responsive when it comes to labels varying in sizes, you know, German words yeah. being 30 lines long instead of the English, <laughs> okay. Sorry, German <laughs> listeners, but I took German in high school. I know how bad it is. So, like, all of a sudden, all my layout is now much more prepared for a lot of the pain and suffering that I would normally go through during the localization process to get my UI ready for that. I'm probably like, famous last words, I'm probably like 95% of the way there, if not further, Mm -hmm. just because of all the dynamic type work I did. Stack views and scroll views everywhere. So
1: what you're saying is that we can expect a German translation of slopes
0: next week? Uh, Yeah, I'll be waiting for that.
2: No, no, no. The UI work is done. The process of (laughs) exporting the strings, and I hate you guys.
0: (laughs) But to bring this back to dynamic type, actually, I was going to say not that it's low hanging fruit for me, but it just seems like the most obvious choice to play with first because it's a language app and it's single vocabulary words. So like playing with dynamic type seems to be a pretty good start as well.
2: It it does depend on what your implementation is because I use auto layout a lot. um, I don't use Mm. a lot of frame Mm -hmm. logic. You can still do dynamic type with frame logic, but because I'm using a lot of Apple's recommended tools, clearly that's going to work a little bit better with their recommended approaches to accessibility. Uh, so for example, if I forget, but if Gus on the go is using something more like Sprite kit or SceneKit kit or stuff like that, you're probably not going to get a lot of those nice to have the dynamic type has when it comes to like mm-hmm. UI label. So if you're doing kind of a mini game engine with a bunch of animations, you're not going to get as much dynamic type stuff for free as you might otherwise. Uh, so it can be kind of a mixed bag there in terms of is it low-hanging sure. fruit for everyone
1: or not. I mean, the other thing in relation to gusts is that dynamic type, given how little text is in it, it's not going to give you the best bang for buck as far as I can sort of see. But things like voiceover, I mean, that's li- almost literally what the app does anyway. Like, it's already halfway there. <laughs> so that, yeah. the thing is is that I think you can you can almost go down a path where even if the supported tool, like even if the tools that are provided aren't necessarily going to work for you, something like, something like Gus, like it's basically like, it's a lot of like, you know, the like interactable elements on the screen and those are perfect for something like voiceover. Given that Gus is a thing where like at least one of the parts is like, you know, finding things on screen, that would be Mm -hmm. challenging with no vision, but it sort of is already a thing that, people with the youth voiceover have to do, so it's kind of (laughs) a play on that anyway. I mean,
2: shout out, it's totally doable. The um, game Black Box Puzzles, they kind of took... At Mm -hmm. least the developer community, uh, it became very popular two years ago or so. Uh, It it, it takes advantage of a bunch of unique hardware properties within the iPhone, like the accelerometer, the GPS, all that kind of stuff, uh, to create fun puzzles that drive you crazy. And he went through and did an accessibility pass, Ryan, the creator of it. And you can play the game entirely with voiceover. And there are some things that are literally tapping the screen a certain way or rotating the orientation of the device a certain way. like Just because we as people with full vision might approach using the app a certain way doesn't mean that you can't think about the app a slightly different way to make it 100% accessible to a different group of people. It's just a matter of thinking yeah.
1: differently. And that's the thing. It's a matter of thinking about it and it's a matter of actually spending some time actually considering it one of the things that's really common and i think part of the reason that like for instance i have not necessarily done a lot of uh, accessibility work um, in my apps but i think it's relatively common is that we just don't think about it and I think that actually spending some time on it and giving it some thought and bringing it into the list of things, not just of I need to get this done before I ship, but I need to get this done in order to design the thing that I've got to design or, you know, in, including stuff in, in the processes that you have for creating your your apps and creating your products. Thinking about it is going to lead to you actually approaching it in a relatively goodish way. Not perfect, but good-ish, yeah. I guess. And then you like there there is a lot that you can do to sort of polish it from there.
2: Yeah, because a lot of it is a design time thing. Like going forward now, dynamic type. This is something I already kind of had experience with on the web and doing responsive web design back in the day. I had to think about how is this going to adapt to its container? Now Mm -hmm. I kind of have the opposite problem. How is my container going to adapt to bigger things? But it's something I already kind of had to think about at design time. Like, oh, okay, well, how is this going to scale? Suddenly this text needs to be three lines. Do I truncate it or do I road wrap it? All that kind of stuff. And now that I have dynamic type in place, it really just becomes part of the design time consideration And then that actually can lessen the work. It's not something that at implementation time, I have to worry as much going like, oh, no, I forgot to actually worry about this scaling now. Because if that's when you worry about it, it's more expensive to change. You've already implemented a bunch of stuff. So once you kind of get a feel for how to do some of this accessibility stuff and it starts happening or the considerations for it start happening earlier in your process, then it actually becomes easier to implement going forward because you kind of already know the pitfalls. You're already designing with that stuff in mind.
0: So then have you guys put it in the hands or like seen the response from people who do need these accessibility controls?
1: I mean, I ha- I haven't necessarily sat there. and I mean, I haven't done user testing just in general, but I haven't necessarily <laughs> sat there with a, with a person. So and,
0: you're equal opportunity. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I, I'm equal opportunity ignoring like, user testing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean as good as user testing is I just ha it's it's a thing that is complicated and difficult for you, for indies see future episode I guess maybe there's there is one <laughs> in our topic list
2: That's what you do all week at WWDC this year just walk up to people you use my app and see what happens
1: <laughs> Well and and like I to to be fair I I have done a little bit of that in in times and I definitely like I like to watch other people use my app like my wife uses my app and I watch her use my app this is not user testing so let's uh let's get on from this but it isn't something that I have done either that to like have somebody go through it with voiceover and see what they experience. I try to do that myself. I have also tried doing it without, without actually looking at my phone, which is not something that uh, yeah. it's not the first thing that you think of. You turn on voiceover and, uh, and like, and you don't like think to that you you, you sit there looking at the screen and going, Oh, rectangles uh, as they cover off, but you don't think to like actually use it without visibility. Mm-hmm. But that can be challenging, and it can it can definitely show you show you some of the flaws in your app. Yeah, that was one of the conference sessions I was in
2: at Layers at WWDC. Laura Savino is a big fan of accessibility, and she her presentation was having everybody. She uh, taught us really quick how VoiceOver worked, and kind of the ways to use it, and bringing up that control wheel, and all that kind of stuff, and then kind of the escape hatch to be able to get back out of it. And then she's like, "Okay, everybody, turn off your brightness." And it was pretty much just you had a <laughs> yeah. black slate in front of you and you had to use voiceover to get around. And very it was very then, yeah. non-pun intended eye opening. Mm.
1: Yeah. Can be confronting. Especially if you if you haven't done enough at this point, turning it on and then like you trying to use it can actually entirely stop you from actually getting anything done in your app, yeah. which is something that I experienced recently with GifRapt. But it's not something that I've sat down and I've put in front of somebody else and and said hey, try this out, see how it goes for you. And the thing is, is that there are resources available for you uh, if you want to do that stuff. If you want to sit down with somebody and have them use your app and and check the voiceover thing, obviously, if you know people in your life, that's a great first step. And going forward from there, there are definitely resources out there, both in Australia and uh, presumably in the US, to be able to test various parts of your app. Not necessarily for free, but it's definitely that that sort of stuff is definitely available.
2: Yeah, because there's definitely uh, one guy here in Philly, Austin. Um, he's been a big proponent of accessibility and a huge Apple fan ever since uh, the iPhone launched with all these accessibility options. And he does accessibility consulting. Oh, that's awesome. People definitely specialize in that. It's not something that you can necessarily expect or demand those people to give you their time for free to make your app better the same way you would hire yeah. a UX mm-hmm. consultant. Right. There are I think, many situations that you, could cons- you should consider hiring an accessibility consultant, if nothing else, to get you started and to teach you the ropes. Uh, that'll save you a lot of struggling, a lot of the pitfalls that we kind of have to learn along the way. And we'll be able to tell you some of their best practices up front. So you're not guessing, putting stuff in the wild and getting users be like, well, this didn't really work so well. You can have a professional help you with that up front, which is always great.
0: Yeah. And that person will definitely remove any assumptions we're making as people who don't need these options. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because let's be honest, we don't know what we're doing here, that we don't live that life. And it's very different from us uh, for the people on the stronger end of some impairments. So that's, that's definitely something that Know, it's understandable that we can't relate as easily to and would mess up on but that's why people like those consultants exist
1: and it's that that's only more reasoning to go into this assuming that you know nothing yeah don't go into doing the accessibility thing thinking you got it nailed because yeah. odds are you don't and i've spent some time working on my app to try and make it more accessible it's probably still really bad like it's not i i am in no way qualified to Judge the goodness or badness of my accessibility. I can only judge from based on what I know and how I've been trying to use it. But I don't have anywhere near the qualifications that somebody that actually has that requirement yeah. uh, is going to have, which is why that you, why you would seek somebody like that out in the first place. And yeah, like if you can if you can find a consultant, whatever resources that you can find online that stuff is going to put you down a better path than what you're going to come up with on, on your own. But the first step, the first step to all of this is to actually think about it, to yeah. actually spend some time on it and to and to actually kind of consider it as part of your process.
0: Yes, and that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, the good thing is, Alice,
2: you do have some things that people consider accessibility already. Like you're worried about children and they're tapping things on the screen. And for example, you're trying to make sure that they have tap targets that as a child without fine motor control, like we as some adults have, you know, we might be able to hit a 40 point button on the screen, uh, but children probably can't. So I'm assuming Gus worries more about like, oh, OK, well, here's a tap target that's one fifth of the screen in size or something like that. And that's yeah. definitely an accessibility tip. That's why Apple's human interface guidelines recommend no buttons smaller than 44 points, because that's kind of the size needed as a minimum to make sure that you know, kind of, I guess the average person uh, will be able to tap that button and not accidentally tap something else. And that's why they'll also recommend a certain amount of padding. That kind of thing is also accessibility because then that's getting into helping people with less than optimal motor controls. You're making sure that they don't accidentally, because they don't have the fine motor control, go and tap that other button that says delete. Uh, You're giving them enough room there for that kind of, I guess, spacing. To make sure that they don't mess up in that way, and that's something that you're already doing in Gus, uh, just because of your target audience. So you you are hitting some accessibility stuff to give you to give you some credit there.
0: I know you're trying to give me some credit, but I, I also re- remember a very distinct moment when we were doing Gus 2, We were trying to add navigation arrows, and we wanted it to be very clean, but then we ended up having too narrow of um, padding around it, and so. <laughs> I was watching kids repeatedly press the wrong thing, expecting it to go to the next page, but it was tapping something that was right next to it, and it was like a real—it was a reality check because at that point, Yano was like, "Oh, well, it's a user problem." I'm like, "It's not a user problem because it's happening over and over and over again, and we have to find a better solution for it." Yeah,
2: now you know that going forward, um, you—you've yeah. kind of hit that problem and learned your lesson, and now when you're designing in the future. <laughs> Uh, you're going to remember that. And that's, I think, a lot of what accessibility is, is learning what those pitfalls are and how we can help avoid them.
0: Well, thanks for making me feel slightly better. We try. <laughs> we try. We, we got to stick together, Alice. But, you know, I'm happy to admit when I've said something dumb and and I will own it, confront it, and now I'm moving forward. If any of you listeners have any more advice about accessibility or have any great resources, please send them our way. Um, You can get in touch with us at hello at independence.fm or independence.fm slash contact. Sometimes we're on Twitter. Uh, I'm at must.
1: I am at parrots, the plural of the bird. And I am jelly bean soup.
0: Thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Bye-bye.